Welcome to the North Group Podcast. At North Group, we are invited into organizations to influence leadership and organizational behavior. It is absolutely fascinating work. Today, we invite you into one of those conversations. It's a real privilege for me to be here uh, today with my friend, Ed Ferderbar. Welcome, Ed. Thank you, Ryan. And we're going to get into, you know, different parts of Ed's life and career and so forth. And of course, we're doing a series where we're just uh, talking with people about their life experience and sure. drawing from that maybe some things that we could learn as life and business principles moving forward that we could hold on to. And I'm pretty confident, Ed, you and I can get there today because there's a couple things we talked about this sure. uh, when we were planning for this yep. that... Uh, even though we've been friends and golf partners and our sons play together yeah. and all that fun stuff for, I don't know, five or six years now, I've never actually heard your whole story. Okay. So one thing that I'm really fascinated about uh, is that uh, you're, you're currently the CEO of Bowen Unlimited, Correct. which we'll explain in a yep. little while, that family of, of, of six different brands doing high-end uh, luxury construction. But before we get to that, you had a whole career in the corporate world. Mm-hmm, so did. I'm super interested, Ed, <laughs> in, uh, in, in that career. Sure. And then talk about the transition and the differences that you've noticed. Okay. Because uh, North Group, our whole world is what uh, the larger business world would think of as small business, sure, basically sure. up to 1,000 employees, yep. which is small in the world that you know the Wall Street right, Journal and right. so forth right in but it's also the absolute backbone of our economy it's how things really work so i'm super interested in our conversation today to hear some of your experience in making that transition but before we get there tell us a little bit about uh where you grew up and uh, your family of origin and how you got educated and all that fun stuff yeah so i I grew up outside of philadelphia for the most part in the suburbs of philadelphia my dad was a superintendent of schools so okay Everybody knew who we were, mm-hmm. and uh, we were couldn't get away with much. To, I guess. Uh, now yeah, expected right, to behave right. a certain way, yeah. and uh, but really enjoyed it. It was a great place. Uh, went to Penn State uh, to be a mechanical engineer. Okay, graduated from there in '85, uh, and while I was at Penn State, I co-opted for McNeil Consumer Products, who was the Tylenol manufacturer. All right. And uh, they say sometimes sports aren't the way to move your career forward. But fortunately, I was a pretty good softball player and golfer, and I got to know a lot of the vice presidents and and so on. And uh, it was interesting. When time came to get hired, there was an opening, and and I uh, I was offered a job in maintenance as a supervisor of electricians. That's what I started out doing. So So you co-opted with McNeil. Yep. And that was your avenue toward employment immediately after graduation. It was, right after graduation. So you had a mechanical engineering degree. I did, yep, yep. So I qualified on some level. Qualified to actually Mm -hmm. work on maintenance with electricians, which made no sense at the time. But but I enjoyed it. It was was a great way to get into the organization, a fantastic organization. And I spent, uh, oh, about, I'd say about 10 years there. Okay. And at one point, the director of engineering came to me and said, hey, I'd like you to move to Lancaster. And, and where was your first job? So the first job was in Fort Washington. So okay. I was still living in that Langhorne area, area in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and uh, had just moved into a renovated home. And my wife at the time said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. Mm. Uh, but the director was pretty engaging and pretty pretty forceful and, and showed me why it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I was the engineer on the project at the time. We were revamping a, pro- a, a building out in Greenfield Corporate Center. Okay. And when the project was completed, I then became, became the uh, plant engineering manager okay. for Johnson & Johnson Merck at yeah. the Greenfield Corporate Center. 
Is, is that a unit of It was McNeil? a joint venture between Johnson & Johnson and Merck. Okay. And McNeil was the Johnson & Johnson portion of that joint venture. So McNeil is a unit of Johnson & Johnson? Correct, okay. yes. A subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson. Okay. And, and, and McNeil at the time was the operations side. Mm-hmm. Merck provided the products and Johnson & Johnson provided the operations side. Okay. So that's what brought me out here for a two-year assignment. Um, and and when, when you were first introduced to the possibility, and obviously your wife was and yeah, thrilled about yeah. it, of moving to Lancaster. What did you think of, what was your impression of uh, Lancaster? Because I well, can remember what mine we, was. We used to come to Lancaster when I was a kid, and we'd stay at the Lancaster Host Resort. Okay. And that was vacation for us. So okay. I thought I was coming to a very small town yeah. that just wasn't going to have much to offer for us. Uh-huh. And you grow up outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. It was a different world coming here. I remember going to the to the supermarket the first time and somebody actually said something nice to me and I thought boy this is a this could be an interesting place it's not like <laughs> Philadelphia you know you people are actually used to kind people actually no no you don't you. talk to anybody in <laughs> Philadelphia you just kind of did went about your business and moved on so um, so it was an interesting opportunity I thought it was just going to be for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, turned out that I, I ended up staying here enjoying what I was doing uh, worked for Johnson & Johnson for some time then moved on to Bear Healthcare uh, okay. up in Myerstown. Yeah. And worked what, there. What precipitated that move? Uh, well, I had actually, I left Johnson Johnson Merck to start my own business uh, for a couple of years. So I was an entrepreneur for two years. I invented a machine that would clean the plastic balls in children's play areas. And How did you even think of something like that? <laughs> well, it's just I one of those things. This before. Yeah, this is something you and I never got to. Um, what happened is at the time, years ago, I was looking at maybe buying a Chuck E. Cheese franchise. And mm. when we were having the conversation with one of the regional managers, I asked, how do you clean the balls in the ball pits? And he said, boy, if you could come up with an idea and a way to do it, that'd be fantastic. So really? I set about to just think about that. And it took about four or five years. But we ended up inventing myself. And there were three others who helped me. And uh, we sold maybe... Over two years, probably sold 60 units, and uh, the sanitant that went with them, and they were microbiologically tested and so on. And about two years into it, McDonald's decided to no longer put ball pits into their play areas. And at that point, I knew I was done. I knew my machine was not going to continue to sell. So had you sold most of your machine to I, McDonald's rather than Chuck E. Cheese? I had sold, I would say, about 20% of the machines that we had manufactured went to different McDonald's owners okay. around the East Coast. Uh-huh. And once that was going to be shut down, at that point, I thought, boy, I'm going to go back to what I used to do, go back into the That was the a full-time endeavor for you it for was, a couple of years? For two so, years. So you, you made the hard choice to quit a oh, yeah. secure yeah. Yeah. Cor- Corporate job yeah. and caught the entrepreneurial bug. I don't know if it was the smartest thing to do at age 30, but uh, I, I did. I, uh, I, if I, looking back, I would have probably kept the job mm-hmm. and done it on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I'll share with folks when they ask, you mm-hmm. know, should I give this a try? My mm-hmm. answer is always, sure, give it a try, but do it on the side. Okay. Until you know it's going to really get legs and get But moving. you jumped in with both feet. I did. Yeah, I did. That and, took some uh, courage. Uh, yeah, looking back, I guess that you could call it courage or stupidity, depending <laughs> on which side of the aisle you're on. You but, made it uh, through. I did. I learned a lot. I uh-huh. mean, really did in two years of starting my own business. I worked with SCORE in Lancaster for okay. a little while to yeah, do that. Sure. Um, and then when that was over, uh, again, thought, I'm, I'm not going to continue down the entrepreneurial route. I'm going to go back to work knowing, doing what I know how to do. So I went to Bear Healthcare up in Myerstown, and I ended up staying there for about 10 years. I went in in an operations role. Um, on the floor, working in the production environment. 
and did that for about seven years and then became the engineering manager of North America for about three or four years. Okay. Um, at that point, uh, the gentleman who had hired me retired and called me about six months after retirement and said, hey, I know you were an entrepreneur at one point years ago. What if I bought a business and you ran it for me? And uh, so we ended up buying a company out of York called Markitex, which uh, designed and built large trade show booths for corporate clients. And we also did some work in college and university athletic departments. So I started down that path. That's um, where I first met you when you were it running was, yep, when I was running yeah. Markitex. Yeah. And along about the same time, maybe a few years later, my son and I also bought a Signorama sign shop in Lancaster right. that we right. worked on together for years. So that was really my entry into leaving the corporate world and coming in to run my own business. Um, it was it was a scary time. I mean, yeah. it was, uh, as you said earlier, to go from the corporate world into a small business. Um, I don't know that I was really ready for that at the time. But fortunately, I was running the business. Maybe a dozen people at the time. We grew it to about 25. But uh, I was able to call my own shots. I was able to do what needed to be done and, and started to figure it out. And So tell me about this gentleman that you had worked for that mm-hmm. retired. Yeah, yeah. And then... What was his role in all this? I mean, he sure. bought the business, I guess, he but did. had enough confidence in you. Yep. But I'm really interested in the transferability of what you're doing inside a large right. uh, corporation. Corporation, yep. thank yep. you. And then moving to a business with 12 people. What, yeah. what gave him the confidence you could pull that off? Uh, you know, looking back, we still get together now. He's uh, older and uh, retired again, but uh, we talk about that. Yeah. And I, I think there was some naiveness to it, but I, I think we also just felt that we had learned so much about people yeah. and about how to how to support people, how to manage people, how to lead people, okay. that we thought we could use that yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Uh, we also had just a lot of operations experience between the two of us. Mm-hmm. He was only at the business maybe two days a week, four hours or so a week. Um, but overall, it, it was just one of those things where we said we, we learned so much. I mean, when you're in a, in a big corporation... One of the reasons you don't like it sometimes is the flavor of the month. Mm-hmm. The, what's the new process? What's the new system mm-hmm. coming down the pike? And we didn't want to bring that to the organization. Um, we also learned a lot about people and people management, mm-hmm. people leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is one thing that, that Johnson Johnson and at Bear Healthcare, lots of training, lots of teaching. Okay, so I that's mean, really interesting to yeah. me. So I'd like to back up on that for a minute because sure. that was not my experience. So okay. I had the typical... Uh, or what people have said is a typical experience that you get into a job. In my case, it was insurance underwriting. Right. You do pretty well at it. And then they have a need for somebody to be the, whatever the term is, supervisor, manager, right. foreman, right. whatever that is, over a group of people doing that job. Yep. And they figure because you did that job, well, hey, why couldn't you just manage right. the people right. that are doing it? And that was my experience. Yes. If yes. I didn't, I don't remember any specific conversation other than, Hey Roger, it looks like you're pretty ambitious, and right. you you know you're pretty good at this job, and you're a step ahead of the other yep. guys. Do you want to be the yep. boss? Well, first of all, the transition to people that I had grown up alongside yep. of, sure, and now they were supposed to report to me. Mm-hmm. I, I pretty much soft sold that with them, and they right. were good guys to begin right. with, so it worked right. out okay. But I can't remember any specific conversation about what do we do in conflict arises. Mm, okay. What do we do if these guys push back on yeah. what I'm asking them to do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember any of that. So you got, so you I, were I trained as a mechanical I, engineer. Correct. So it wasn't like you had a whole, you had like a psychology oh, background none, or a management no, trainee background. None, none whatsoever. So at some point your 
ability as a mechanical engineer and I guess as a productive worker gave right. you an entree to management? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, that was really it. They, we would have discussions with my boss mm-hmm. at the time to say, do you want to stay on this technical path okay. or do you want to move into more of a management role? Okay. And I, I really believe looking back, there were a couple gentlemen who really helped me from that perspective, who encouraged me to go get certain trainings and to one, one that I can remember at Notre Dame was a four-day course, uh, finance for non-financial managers. There you go. Okay. Um, those uh-huh. are the types of things that I was fortunate enough to okay. to be able to go to. Uh-huh. Had I not had that type of training, I, I think I would have been in a lot tougher spot when I did go out on my own. Now, thinking back on what you said earlier about growing up with your dad as a superintendent. Sure. Um, so I would have a sense that, and I don't, you'll have to describe your dad to answer this question maybe, but I was wondering how much you think you may have learned by osmosis mm-hmm. because a superintendent in a town is a public figure oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. they need to have some sort of public facing skills Correct. to get through the questioning and yep. the presentations, but they also are responsible for a large budget, right, a large staff, right. all of which is public facing. Right, right. So in a lot of ways, much harder than a corporate right, job, which right. is under the veil of, right. you know, being in a faceless, yeah, nameless I mean, building somewhere. Did yeah. you pick some things up from your dad? I, Are there I, I things from so. your dad that you would we would say that you admire? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. My dad died at a young age. Okay. He died at 57, a few months after he retired. Okay. But while he was working... Uh, we would go to numerous events with him when we were in yeah. middle school and high school, mm-hmm. whether they be sporting events or plays or musicals. Um, we would see a lot of information in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturdays, we would talk about that. Uh, okay. He would have a conversation with me about what was going on so that I understood why he was in the newspaper and what this meant. And Good for him. We had the, uh, at the time, when I was a senior in high school, we had the longest strike in Pennsylvania history. In his district? In his district, yeah. And and that was interesting because we had lots of conversations about that. But he was very open with me about what was happening, why it was happening. This is when you were a teenager? Yeah, I was uh, 18 at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and and we would have a lot of those conversations. Looking back, I don't know that I even had those kinds of conversations with my kids Uh uh, at that age. But I'm I'm glad he did. And one of the things that he he really taught me, I think we we talked about it briefly, we said that you you learn how to manage and lead people. Yeah. One of the things I really learned from him was just the ability to look at people for who they are. Okay. I, I remember clearly as though it were yesterday where I said to him one time, Dad, are we going to go to such and such? He said, no, we've gotta, I've got to run to a funeral. He said, one of the bus drivers passed away. Mm. And I mistakenly said, well, Dad, he was only a bus driver. And I think I was probably 15 or 16 yeah. at the time. And he explained to me very clearly and very concisely that he's not only a bus driver. He was a bus driver. He was a human being. He was a man. And we're going to go to his, his funeral today. What so, a great lesson. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really fantastic to, uh, to hear those types of things occurring. And that, that's, that's just how he lived. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I did through osmosis, as you yeah. say, and even through conversations with him, picked up a lot of that about people. And, and I think... Really, that transition to the smaller company, if you look at an individual and look at all the people at our organization and treated them as such and and knew they had amazing skills and all we had to do was help them to bring those skills out, um, that was one of the, really one of the ways that we moved in a direction 
in a positive direction was by establishing those guardrails yeah. and then allowing people to work within them yeah. and, and treating them like uh, they, they mattered. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as well as I do, that's, that's huge For in sure. any business. So did that, did that idea like the, in, I guess, I don't know if this was your word, but the intrinsic value of a human being, he's mm-hmm. not only a bus driver, right. he's a human being, right. he has value. Yep. Um, and then the idea that, hey, give people guardrails, but as long as they run inside the guardrails, mm-hmm. let them change lanes and yep. you know, move around, maybe yep. bump off the guardrails from time yep. to time as long as they don't kill the car, you know, destroy right. the car right. type of thing. Uh, did you feel like that was a corporate value too when you were at – because, you know, again, no, I, don't I think only ever fine. worked corporate one year yeah. in my entire 43-year yeah. career. So I have a view of it that's sure. pretty stereotypical. Sure. It's kind of a faceless, nameless thing. Yep, you, know, you got yep. your Jack Welch chop yep, off the yep, low 10% yep. every year, that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Now I know certainly every corporation is not like that. Right. But we have such a beautiful opportunity in small business to actually right. know right. the people yeah. that we work with yep. and value them, yep. know who they are. And I just have this really strong belief that that's a productivity driver too. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. When we when they're seen, known and valued yep, and we can give them some flexibility when yep. we know things are harder yep. at home, we can, they'll reward that oh, at yeah. some point. I might oh, yeah. not be exactly be able to measure yeah. it, yeah. but at some point it's going to show up in the scoreboard, mm-hmm. probably in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to win sure. the game as a result for of sure. that. And it sounds like, I'm just wondering how that played for you. Yeah. In, Cause you were 20 years corporate, right? Right. Roughly right. 10 and 10. Correct. Yep. 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 I, in a corporate world, I didn't, that was one of the reasons I left. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I talked about the flavor of the month mm-hmm. reason I left, but another was I felt like I was just a number and I felt like mm-hmm. nobody was concerned with, and my son and I talk a lot these days about how employees need to be valued, need to, you need to understand who they are, what yeah. their desires are, what growth they're looking for and how they can contribute and feel valued. Because if you've got someone who's in that position who feels that way, as you said, they're going to contribute back yeah. more than you can give them. And, and I, I didn't really realize it was even missing until we started to provide it. Mm-hmm. So I think when, when I got the architects and started to provide that to people, the feedback that I got was fantastic. And we started to realize this is how we need to run this business. We need to take these amazing folks who can do amazing things and help them to do that and, and to to teach them and to give them, as we said, those guardrails, but then let them work within it because everybody works differently. And that I definitely took with me then when I went to uh, to Bowen. So, so w- w- would you say that in, in some ways your experience in the corporate world was a a learning experience, but not necessarily a positive learning experience as far as valuing people, taking time, seeing known, valued, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, because I, we I, can learn from... We can learn from what went went wrong. Yeah, well. we can learn and, from negative influences yes, and positive and, and, influences and, if we're open to and, it. And I believe, we. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think technically I learned a lot at the corporate world. I learned a lot about... Uh, financials and learned mm-hmm. a lot about operations and efficiencies mm-hmm. and and so on but when it came to people everybody was supposed to be treated the same and everybody was given the same increase every mm-hmm. year and everybody didn't matter what they did whether they were a great performer poor performer and seeing that you know it's that idea of when you when you work for someone or in an area 
and something is done wrong and you don't like it, mm-hmm. well, don't ever do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was something I really learned mm-hmm. walking away was I never wanted to do that. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what the right thing was until I really started to get into this smaller business and then started to understand it and started to get the feedback. That, so, so do you think, I mean, how, how did you come into that? Because you weren't really taught that yeah, in the corporate world. I, then you go to market text. You, you must have seen and capitalized on an opportunity to personalize the way that you led yeah. and the way that you treated people. And yeah, then I, Joe I, has learned that from yeah, you. Yeah, my son has as well. I, I, I think I saw a lot of that from my dad. Okay. I mean, he treated people like they were human beings. I love that beings. bus driver example. Yeah, it was, it was And again, I, I don't, you don't forget that. That's yeah. something that sticks with you. Yeah. And he had about 1,200 people mm-hmm. who worked for him, so it wasn't yeah. a small district. Um, so I, I think you, you see it there. Uh, my business partner, who I uh, worked with at Markitex, mm-hmm. he was that way as well. He knew... Um, Interesting little side story at Bear Healthcare. He worked there for quite some time. And at Thanksgiving, we would, we as the leadership team would hand out turkeys. Okay. And everyone would drive by. Uh-huh. And there were over 700 employees. And I'll tell you, if he knew 695 names, I'm not exaggerating. He wow. knew everyone. That's because fantastic. he took the time to get to know you. Yeah. He would pay attention to who you were. And most, obviously, he didn't know the backstory of all those folks. But he knew the backstory of quite a few. And I, I think that's another piece that we brought with us when mm-hmm. we went to Markitex. We said, we're going to treat people like we want to be treated. Yeah. And we know there's a lot of value there. Yeah. yeah. So he was an example. He was as that, well. Despite the fact that maybe the corporate environment didn't necessarily encourage Yeah. That. And he, if, if you know the history of Bear Healthcare, it was, it was a small family-owned company early on. And he okay. was there for 30-some years. Oh, wow. And so he may have he had a time in the, his life when yes, it was small. Correct. Where, or at least it felt like a family owned where he was valued and, yeah. and he continued to do that. I think that's really why he retired yeah. early because he didn't like the way he was being treated uh, anymore. It became a numbers game yeah. and, and that's all you were at that point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we, we moved forward and, and took those negatives that we saw at some of the corporate environments and turned them around, hopefully, in uh, our own little environment. So I want to see if you had a parallel experience to me, something you said about 10 minutes ago okay. about choosing a technical track mm-hmm. or a management track that, that you were faced with that Correct. choice at some yep. point. So I remember a point very relatively early in my career, about six or seven years in, when I went to my, left my first employer, went to my second employer, which was going from small business to big business. Okay. And so I, 28 years old, whatever I was, and I got this supervisor job uh, because I had technical competence. So back to that, back to that thing. And when I, when I first started interacting with the team that I was uh, supposed to supervise, Mm -hmm. it was clear from the manager that had hired me that he felt that I should learn everything that they knew. Mm. And I quickly decided that that was not only not possible right but basically a waste of time yeah because why am i duplicating sure sure. knowledge that they already have that they have i remember the one fellow uh was 20 years older than me okay and he treated me very well sure uh i think i hope i treated him well Mm -hmm. but i was never going to catch up to his level of technical knowledge sure um but i could offer him something that he didn't experience in the corporate environment, which was a personalized approach. So it occurred to me that doubling down or tripling down through the next 10 years of my career 
on all this technical knowledge that mm. I had accumulated wouldn't get me nearly as far. Right, right. And I, I mean, it might have even been a selfish decision at the time because sure, I sure. was, you know, ambitious, career-oriented, yep. want yep. to provide for my family, all these sorts right, of things. Right. And I can remember saying, okay, I've invested the first six or seven years in these, you know, professional designations and all this studying mm. at night and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, but here I came in this environment and all that academic knowledge I have I'm never going to catch up to these people that I'm right. supposed to be helping. Right. So how can I help them? Yes. Yes. Did you feel like you had a similar point in your career? Because you're a mechanical engineer right. turned manager, right. turned leader, right. turned business owner, right. turned CEO. That's sure. been That's the career pretty path. much the career path of yeah. 30, well, more than 35 almost, years of that. Yeah, almost 40. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I would say that I didn't consciously look at it from that perspective. Okay. I would say it was a similar path to okay. what you described. Mm -hmm. um, but I got to that point where, and again, it was probably a little selfish on my part too, I wanted to be vice president of operations someday. Sure. Well, you're not gonna do that by staying in the engineering technical world. Mm -hmm. you've, you've got to get some of that leadership experience, that management experience. Mm -hmm. You've gotta diversify your skill sets, okay. but never get too deep into it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that was really my reasoning for going down that mm -hmm. path. And then once I started, that's when kind of a light bulb went off. I never really liked being a mechanical engineer necessarily, <laughs> but I started to really like and enjoy when I would see you, you pour into an individual and yeah. help them yeah. and, and you see their light bulb go off or yeah. you see them get very excited about what they're doing, enjoying their job, enjoying the results they're getting, enjoying the growth they're seeing. So that, that was really when I started to, to get excited about it, when I would see others grow and, and move forward. So that told you something about what you value yeah. and maybe even how, how you're wired, so oh, yeah. to speak. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So market techs mm -hmm. and then Sinorama were right. two small businesses yep. that you managed and eventually acquired an ownership interest in. Correct. Um, what would you, that was about a, what, a six year run? Uh, 12. Oh, 12 year run. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. What would you say are the chief things you learned through becoming a, a small, I mean, a small that is a small owner. business. Oh, owner. they yeah. both were. Yeah. 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 They both, both together were, uh, yeah, just, just not big at all. But I, number one, I, I, did like being in charge. Okay. Um, I, you know, some people, my wife and I joke about it and she'll say, I'd, I'd rather not be in charge. Yeah. I'd rather follow someone who's mm -hmm. in charge. Mm -hmm. I liked being in charge. Mm -hmm. um, I, I enjoyed that, that opportunity and that, um, maybe that challenge mm -hmm. to take a business and, yeah. and make it successful. Yeah. And at the same time, how do I do that while also allowing the employees to feel challenged, rewarded and successful? Um, so I, I really, that was a, a learning I got that that was something I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, I also learned a lot about the details of running a business. Uh, I mean, when you talk to a lot of your, your customers, your relationships mm -hmm. and people like myself now, it, boy, if you don't get that skill set yeah. and don't understand how to put a budget together and what cost of goods are and what fixed expenses are and, and how to evaluate cash flows and so on. You, you can have some troubles you can when you start. Quickly. You yeah. can. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I learned a lot about that. I mean, I was the bookkeeper at Sinorama for the first two years. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I was figuring out what was happening from a financial perspective. Mm -hmm. um, Markitex was kind of the same way. We had services that people supplied, but I was the one evaluating those mm -hmm. 
those reports and that information. So there's a huge learning in just how a business functioned. Um, the other thing was, again, it just reinforced the importance of people yeah. because when you have a small business, yeah. you lose one of your key people for some reason and you can really be in a world of hurting. And, uh, that was another thing that I really, again, it just intensified that idea that we've got to treat people well. You talked about the bottom 10% you let go and yeah. you've got the top 10%. We've got to focus on that middle and that top groupings and, and really help those individuals because you want them around for a long time. You're investing a lot of your energy, your money, your time into them. So, I, would, would, you, would you think of yourself as a pretty decisive person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I would experience you that way. And so you get to this point in business where you want people involved in the decision-making process, right, right. but just because of your view of the business and maybe your training and background, you're usually a step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, uh, giving your managers or supervisors input into a right. decision can slow things down. Right, right. How did you rectify your desire to, you're, you're a fairly fast moving guy, let's mm-hmm. get this done, let's, right. you know, right. let, let's, yep. let, let, let's do this right. with the need to involve other people in order to value them and help them learn. Because yeah. I am so often, I have, not anymore, but I have been challenged in the past right. from thinking, Right. Yeah, I pretty much know which way we have to go. Gotcha. And in some cases might even be right. Yep. <laughs> but if you look back and you're the you know, the engineer driving the locomotive, there's nobody on the train, it doesn't do you any good. Right, right. Do you feel like you had some times of learning in that, just slowing yeah. yourself down I, and realizing I, it'd be better in the end if more people were on board? And I think don't you feel this that you got that way sometimes because you you realize there was a point in time where you could only do so much. And I I think once I got to a point where I realized I wasn't ready to work 80 hours anymore, 70 hours anymore, Mm -hmm. I needed some skilled people in those roles. And one of the things that my son and I talk about quite a bit, and it's it's still learning to me, is when someone can do something about 80% as well as you'd like to see them do it, let's let them do it. That's that's Um, a cool rule. You know, it's... Because they're never going to get yeah. to the point where they're doing it exactly the way you'd like to see it done. And you also can't afford sometimes to get them from that 80% to 100% because now it's more of your time again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it really has been interesting to, to see that play out for me. So for me, it was, it was really just a workload situation when I realized I've got to do yeah. this. Now, how do I do it effectively? And again, I think reading a lot of books and just trying to see what others have done mm-hmm. and how they've been successful doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I really, that was a big learning for me when that transition had to take place. And now I see that that's the way I start now. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't want to go in. I mean, and, and I don't want to go in and be the expert right. and know all that. I want the smart people around me who they may know more than 80% do it better than I would. Uh, so it's it's been a real learning over the years. And that's a great segue to where you are now. So right. we, I'll, I'll, I'll skip ahead and then you sure. can knit it together. Okay. So now you're the CEO Correct. of a group of companies, which Correct. has been recently rebranded as Bowen Unlimited. Correct. Under that, we have six different yep. operating companies operating in the uh, luxury custom building market. Correct. So we can, we can get to that. Yep. How did you get from being the owner-operator right. of Markitex and Sinorama yep. to uh, yep. this business, which 
will add is uh, is owned by two terrific guys who B and D Ben Ben and Daniel who right. happen to be Amish. Correct. Okay. Correct. Tell us a little bit about that transition yeah. because um, that took a while. Ed. It did take a while. <laughs> it uh, it's and and I'll I'll start off by saying it's who you know sometimes. Okay. Um, but right. I so. I, Throughout COVID, as COVID occurred, um, as I said, at Markitex, we worked on large trade show booths mm. and we worked in colleges and universities in their athletic departments. During COVID, nothing was happening in either of those two locations. So we were going to close the business. Okay. Um, decide not, there was not much to sell. We were selling real estate. That was about it, but closing the business and not sure what I was going to do, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. I'm mm-hmm. um, not sure if I was going to retire, if I was going to try to go back to work somewhere. And I had a, a good friend stop in one time and say, um, have you ever heard of a company by the name of B&D Builders? And I had, actually. We had heard of them because of the Star Barn work they had done. And we had talked to them at one point about a possible job for uh, my, my stepson and his wife okay. that we were going to potentially do. And so he put us together. And B&D at the time, to again, as you say, knit that together, they had been around for about 22 years, and Ben and Daniel were running all six companies on their own mm-hmm. with two general managers supporting a couple of the business units. So we talked for, it was over, it was eight or nine months Is that, that right? we, we wow. met and talked. And looking back at the time, I got a little frustrated by that, thinking, come on, let's get this moving. But the reality was, when you think back to it, they didn't have the role of a CEO. Mm-hmm. They had been doing this all their lives, so really didn't know any, any other way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So they weren't even sure what they needed from the mm-hmm. role. And in any relationship, you, you need to get to know people, you want to like them, and then you want to trust them. Yeah. And it took us quite some time to get to that point. And I, I'm actually looking back, I'm glad it did, mm-hmm. uh, because I now feel like we have a relationship that we may never have established if we hadn't taken that amount of time. And I think part of it was because we were both a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to jump into something after 30 some years. They didn't want to bring on someone who was going to take the business they created in 22 years and take it in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a real interesting transition just to get to that point and to get to a point where we knew that our values our personal values are really, I think, that that was the last step. That, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Sure. How did you arrive at that spot? Because I can't imagine that Ben and Daniel, particularly with their background mm-hmm. and their faith convictions, their lifestyle right. convictions, right. would bring an English person in, so to right. speak, right. easily. Yes. And certainly not one who they hadn't... Who they hadn't vetted, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Because um, they, they are conservative by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, they have particular guidelines by which they live. Mm-hmm. And from a value perspective, I, I admired their values, mm-hmm. still do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of funny because halfway through that nine-month period, I remember a couple times coming home to my wife and saying, I'm going to figure out what these guys are up to because I don't know if this is all real or not. <laughs> and uh, I knew there was it something hidden. amazing. But they are who yeah. they say they yeah. are. They're, they're focused. Isn't that fantastic when you oh, find out? It's phenomenal. You, you see a veneer on somebody and you're mm-hmm. saying, I'm not sure this can actually be real. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, you know, and there's times when you find out sure. it isn't, and sure. that's disappointing. Sure. But the times when you find out it is, yeah. that oh, people yeah. really yeah. do stand for what they stand yep. for, and they yep. live it out yep. that way. It they is do. so rewarding. They do. It just, 
it's I guess reinforces your belief that we're gonna you know that we're, if we're around for a while here, here on earth we're gonna be okay we're gonna do all right yeah, yeah. and it, it it was really it's still neat we just had our christmas party um and and ben and daniel are all about family they're all about giving individuals an opportunity to grow and learn and 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 move into different positions uh it, it's just it's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, I forget about what we do. I mean, what we do is amazing. It it's is. the craftsmen who are yeah. there. Uh, I mean, they, I put them up against anybody, literally. Mm. And yet the gentlemen who are running the business have a set of values that they will stand by. And we make decisions based on those. And that's how we run the business. So. I was down to, to visit with you a couple months ago. Mm. And I remember, I'm just going to use this as an example. You don't have to use this example. But you you had or have a large built custom building project. Is it in Utah? Idaho. Idaho. Thank mm-hmm. you. Idaho. Got to get my Western states. That's all right. And but Ben and Daniel also have a conviction about their their employees spending weekends right. and home time with yep. their family yep. because that is such a high value to them. Yeah. I don't remember it exactly, yeah. but you you told me how they navigated that yeah. challenge yeah. of getting workers to Idaho, right, right, and back, right. and doing this high quality work. Yeah. How, how did they? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting. That? What we do is, uh, especially with the Amish community, if an individual, if one of our employees gets married, we don't ask him to go overnight without his spouse ever again. Wow. So what we do, is, and when I first heard that, that was kind of shocking to me because I grew up in a world where you had to travel. Sure. Um, and I thought, we can't make this work efficiently, and, and but we do. Um, so a lot of times if gentlemen get married and they're on a crew that's traveling, they will stop traveling. We move them to a local crew, and that's where they'll stay. Uh, other times they'll move off a crew into an office role, a project manager, et cetera. But to get back to your Idaho question, what we ended up doing there is we had a bus retrofitted and we would send families out. So I think it's about a 38 hour bus ride. And we would send families out for three, four weeks at a time, bring them back. And so you're and, housing the family yes, out there the family. and they're mm-hmm. We're home, taking care homeschooling of the children and, Correct. Take, and yeah. housing them at company costs. Yes, yes. Yes, that is like the it, coolest thing. Ever. And now we we've gotten away from that a little bit out in Idaho because uh-huh. the the jobs have grown yeah. so large. We have a full time twelve person crew out yeah. there now yeah. who live there, but we will continue to do that. We have other jobs coming up in Florida, North Carolina, uh, Michigan that we will do more of that in the upcoming years. That that's not something we just did once. That's something that they've been doing for years since well, it's a, I. It's a commitment to family that oh, they believe is. in, that yeah. they extend to every employee yeah. without reservation. Oh, but it f- does cause some, some management, some logistical oh, yeah, stuff. It does, I it guess, does. right? Uh, and it costs some money, uh, yeah. but it's it's worth it because we have amazing employees who work for us. I mean, truly, I I don't the say that because we're ship is oh, just it's, it's phenomenal. You know, just just even walking through through yeah. your. Uh, yeah your office building there yeah. in Vintage Road in Paradise, it's just, the craftsmanship is yeah. just stunning. It's its really hard to find. And, and, and there's most of the gentlemen who we bring in, the kids, in essence, 18, 20-year-olds, um, they're, ta- they, they're coming with some experience, yeah. usually, some construction experience, but we're teaching them. So we usually put them on a crew with an, a seasoned crew lead yep. who is going to teach them, who's going to work with them. We'll put them on a crew of four and teach them and you'd be amazed uh, i mean our as an example our general manager 
who's now the general manager of B&D, which is the largest of the six companies, mm -hmm. he started 18 years ago on a crew. He was a dairy farmer and came on the crew, didn't know much about construction, especially timber frame construction. And he has now progressed through the system and through the organization. He's our general manager, does a phenomenal job and totally different job description than he was doing 18 years ago, obviously. What, what do you think it is about that uh, that culture that mm -hmm. that we'll call it Amish or Mennonite, whatever whatever label we want to put on? Often farm backgrounds. Yeah, farm background. So mm -hmm. you know the the obvious answer is work ethic. Yes, but there's more than that yeah. because these guys are coming, say, off the farm, yeah. and several years later, producing this. Oh yeah, craftsmanship yeah. that is. Like nothing you're going to yeah. see until you see a B and D yeah. building, really, yeah. Yeah. really. I think, yeah, it's I true. Think it's there. It's I, I think it, as you said, it's it's the hard work ethic yeah. that um, most of our employees are instilled with. If you come here, I mean, our our crew members work from five thirty in the morning until five o'clock in the evening, That's a Monday long day. through Friday. So it's an eleven hour day with a half an hour unpaid lunch long day you've got to be committed to hard work to that's do a that 55 hour week it is yes wow. and that's consistent okay um you you've number one got to have that hard work ethic but number two you've got to love doing it right ah. uh, i mean these <laughs> we, we don't have to teach that and our crew foreman won't put up with anything less I mean, they are not, even if it costs money, even if it's something that we said, you know, we've got to tear that out and redo it because that's what we said we were going to do. Our guys all know that money is not the driver from that perspective. It's we want one of our slogans at, at B&D is building for generations. Mm -hmm. And we, we mean that two ways. If we're going to build something for you, we want it to stand for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So for generations of yours. And also we are building internally the next generation's coming in and working for their dads or their uncles uh, or their grandfathers. We've got one uh, grandson who works at one of our organizations and the other, the grandfather works in another company. So um, I, I would take, I'd take siblings or I'd take children from those folks who work for us any day of the week because we, we know what we're getting. Um, they're phenomenal guys. So one, one of the principles, it'll be familiar to most people that are, are listening to our conversation that you articulated early on was the, uh, the the people want to be known, people want to be respected, and people want to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. Whatever language we mm -hmm. sure. You have been in uh, so many different pockets of employees over mm -hmm. the course of your yeah. almost forty year career. Yeah. So you had the couple different corporate environments mm -hmm. where it can get sanitized and sure. where those that language wasn't common. Right. Uh, you're in a business which you controlled yourself and you brought that ethic, that right. commitment, that principle into that business. Mm -hmm. And then you landed in a, a, a very, I guess we'd say, fair to say conservative, a lifestyle-driven environment sure. that the Amish have, which yep. has certain dictates of how... Is that known, you know, respected, appreciated? Is that across all bands of these wide variety of people that you've dealt with over the years is that true of everyone oh i i think for sure i really do i mean i i don't know that you go anywhere where you have a strong workforce now you may find those workforces that don't care i wouldn't even evaluate them because okay. you don't know how to do that but the ones but even to get those folks to turn around uh -huh. 
I, I think you've got number one. You got to listen. Yeah. Um, if you come in as the know-it-all or the I'm going to come in and change this tomorrow, you might as well just turn around and go back out the door. Um, so once you listen and start to hear and learn, and now I'd even say draw input, draw out some some input from mm-hmm. these folks. I I think people just start to sense that. You know what? Maybe my input is valued. Maybe my skill set is valued. Maybe I can grow here. Maybe I can progress through the organization. And you've got to create that culture. Um, And one of the things we talk a lot about at at B and D is servant leadership. Mm -hmm. And I know the term gets overused, Mm -hmm. but if you truly break it down and do think about it, it's it's what an employee is looking for. And you've got to create the culture that says it's not just lip service. It's, it's what we do. And I think that's the hardest thing for some people to do because you get involved in the day-to-day. You get caught up in the day-to-day business and you think about making money and you, and, and you can sometimes get sidetracked. Yep. Um, yep. One of the cool things about the leadership team at Bowen is we hold each other accountable from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And we really do a nice job of that. Hold each other accountable from the perspective of not getting sidetracked simply on the numbers. Correct. And, and, and making sure that the employees are really focused on, again, don't get me wrong, we're, every business is in business to make, to make money. So we're doing that, but we're not going to sacrifice individuals to do that. Yeah. 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 And, we'll and then that would go back to uh, the crews that you oh, talk yeah. about yeah. where the crew leaders are vested to... Yeah teach this Mm -hmm. high level very high level of craftsmanship to 16 and 18 year old young men that are coming into that starting out with probably the basics of strong work ethic and maybe some basic ingenuity or mechanical skills that they learn you know by osmosis growing up on the farm but turning them in and by the time they're in their mid 20s oh, I wouldn't even say that far yeah even yep. even not even that far they're yep. turned into superior craftsmen oh, making yeah. a very good living yep. for their family yep. Yep. but also being treated in a, moving from a traveling crew to a non-traveling yep. crew when they get married yep yep that is such a yeah. cool thing it is cool the other yeah. thing that works well there is just that internal promotion yeah there are very rarely situations where we go outside to bring somebody in is that I mean, right? I, I'm one yeah, that, that happened to, but yeah. we don't do that with a lot of folks. It's for the most part, we're bringing, we're, we're, we're teaching people from the ground up and bringing them up and promoting them from within. And, uh, and, and that's the, I find that that's wonderful because that's what's exciting. If I'm on a crew and I know someday I can be a project manager, I can be the general manager of B and D someday. It's a pretty exciting. And place you got to living be. examples of that. Oh, we do. I mean, it's, oh yeah, yeah it's the, not the just fellow talk. that you said is the B and D GM oh, yeah. was a dairy farmer yeah. what eighteen, 18 years, years ago. Yeah, yeah. He's probably not. He's probably not much past he's midlife. 40, at he's this forty point. years old. Forty yeah. years old. Yeah. I mean, how great yeah. is that? Oh, it's fantastic. And then you have the uh, the internal generation yeah. of this where they're having yeah. such a good experience. They're saying to their their oh. boys and maybe even you, you, oh yeah, use the example of their grandsons. Yeah, come here to Why work. Why don't you come here? Yeah great place to be uh you don't yep. you don't have as many job openings as the rest right. of your competitors do. we actually don't no yeah no, it's and and we're picky you know because we want that work ethic and we want that person who's going to continue to work within that culture yep we really do that's fantastic yeah, and exciting. if people uh we didn't get into this but i had so i've had so much fun interacting with you mm. being down at the facility looking at the website sure um if people would want to learn just a little bit more about this tremendously unique mm-hmm. group of six companies that you have, how sure. would they go about doing that? Um, easiest way is to go to our website, uh, Bowen, 
Unlimited, B A U E N. Right, unlimited. Unlimited.com. Uh-huh. And Bowen in German means to build. To build. So okay. that's how we uh, decided on that as our umbrella company. But the, yeah. if you go to that website, you can then you'll see a link to the other six companies on the website and there are some beautiful they're, pictures they're really website. yeah it's 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 pretty amazing i i, I can't take credit for it because they've been doing it for quite a long time they the, the guys you, you who couldn't build there, these buildings yourself oh you? my <laughs> gosh no. <laughs> wouldn't even consider I, yeah i was actually out on a crew with a crew last week we were doing a timber yeah. set and that was the first time i was out doing a timber set yeah. in two and a half years yeah. and boy the skill there were there were two crane operators. There were three lifts with two men on each lift and six guys on the ground. And you've never seen timber go up as fast wow. as it did. And they all knew what they were doing. They all had their jobs and their roles and flying along. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. It's uh, we we get an, we're, we're very blessed. We get an opportunity to go do work in some areas that are amazing. We're not building sheds at this point. We're building some pretty large structures that are amazing to see when they're completed so we're 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 in a pretty nice place right now we and we all know it we really do we're very blessed and very fortunate so it's uh, it's an exciting place to be so there's two things i think that i'm listening to here from our conversation that i i think the one i would have maybe if i'd thought about it which i didn't i would have been able to predict through our relationship that i would learn from this would be just again the 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 value of letting people know that they are known they're mm-hmm. not a number like right. you eventually experienced Correct. in the corporate world yep. that they're appreciated for the basic humanity that they bring to yep. the workplace yep. and that they can easily be respected for what they can mm-hmm. produce but not only what they can produce for what they bring as a human being right. to the workplace right. and if you can just simply communicate that to yeah. people on a regular sincere genuine basis mm-hmm. They will do good work. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I more or less expected to hear that from you. Yeah. The other thing that I picked up today is um, the value of setting an example and passing on learning through the generations. Yeah. I did not. It's yeah. coming back to me now, but I did not remember yeah. uh, what your dad did for yeah. a living. Yeah. But I find it really instructive mm. that he took time when you were a teenager mm-hmm. yeah. to... Just help you learn. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And now you've had a terrific opportunity with sure. Joe, yep. who I am, you know, privileged to know and he's friends with my son. Sure. And, you know, we got the generational thing going on yep. there, which is super cool. But that you were able to be in business with him. And oh, now yeah. he's launched on his own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Owns, owns his own business, yep. which is rapidly expanding. Taking off very, very well. Very successful. Yeah. Yep. And I have to believe that. Maybe it even started before your dad with your granddad. We didn't get yeah, into that, but yeah. the passing down through. Oh, yeah. And then we see that in even more living color, so to speak, yep. with the uh, with the with the business you're in now. Yep. Yep. And yep. Uh, you know, just hearing that, yeah. I love that story about the grandfather and the grandson mm-hmm. and the recruiting their own workers oh, yeah. Yeah. internally. Yeah. Other businesses are having a terrible time finding workers yeah. you're generating them from inside the culture that you yeah. already have there yeah. and i think yeah. that is so rich it is and instructive yeah yeah 
Thank you. It is. Ed, thanks so much. I yeah. mean, I, I hey, had a ball. You, the time has flown by. I know. And, I have uh, as well. I appreciated the friendship so much. Thank you. I have as well. And I enjoyed you inviting me here today. Thank you so much. And it's all the great. best to you. And we're balance headed. And Thank folks, you. if you can take a look at that website, you will have so much fun looking at these buildings. And congratulations to you, Ed, Thank you. and to Ben and Daniel. Thank you very yeah. much. Appreciate it.